0: Teton County Solid Waste and Recycling is reminding businesses of the Curb to Compost program, which allows businesses, restaurants to have food waste collection. And this is an important next step in your businesses or restaurants recycling program. Welcome to episode number 170 of the Jackson Hole Connection, recording right here in the not-so-sleepy town of Jackson Hole in rural Western Wyoming. Thank you everybody for tuning in today. Welcome all of you new listeners and welcome back all of you veterans. Support for this episode comes from Teton County Solid Waste and Recycling. You wanna be a better recycler? Well, there's an app for that because there's an app for everything. The Recycle Coach app now available to Jackson Hole locals and visitors. An additional support comes from the Jackson Hole Marketplace, a little market with a ton to offer. If you haven't enjoyed one of those breakfast burritos or deli sandwiches, you need to get on over there and do yourself a favor. And welcome to the Jackson Hole Connection. I'm Stephen Clark Abrams, your host. My mission is to bring you fascinating stories of people connected to Jackson Hole. We can learn so much from each other and we can be connected with each other just by listening and talking. And listening is so important for us to learn and grow and become better citizens of our communities. My guest today is Johnny Zine. Johnny is part of a small group of folks in the Valley who can say they've been with one employer the entire time living here. It just so happens that he's been with that same employer in several different departments. Johnny has traveled to far away places and even found a wife in a faraway land and convinced her to move to this special place as well. Johnny is one of the many hardworking and committed people who keep our community running 24-7 every single day of the year. The town of Jackson never shuts down. And working in the Public Works Department for the town of Jackson, Johnny's going to share with us today his journey to Jackson Hole his love for this community and provide us with a little inside peek, a little peek behind the green curtain into how this town operates every single day of the year. Johnny, thank you so much for joining me here today at the Jackson Hole Connection. It's uh, wonderful to be able to have time to sit down with somebody of your great influence in our community.
1: Yeah, I'm happy to. This is really exciting. Um, Podcast is really cool. And I'm always happy to talk about what we do and give people better, you know, transparency and insight into what we do and, you know, how we serve them and how their community works.
0: Well, we're going to get into it and get deep into it, I hope. Uh, and to where it'll be interesting for people to to listen. Let's start off with your roots here in Jackson. How did you land here?
1: Um, good question. So my story is is not unique. <laughs> I was uh I've been here for about 24 years. I'm originally from Florida. Um and uh after college I went and was living on the uh western side of North Carolina doing some uh goofing around, climbing, kayaking, uh mountain biking and stuff like that. And then a buddy of mine was coming out here and he um had come out to Jackson previously. Uh, for a winter, you know, this was really before. God, I'm kind of dating myself, but like, you know, the internet was kind of around. Um, but I don't remember. Like, I didn't even know what Jackson Hole was. I didn't know anything about Jackson. Pretty sure I knew where Wyoming was, and I was like, "Yeah, he's he's like, dude, we they got like over 600 inches last year, and it's the most amazing mountain you'll ever see." That's all I needed to hear, and I was like, "Okay." And we drove out like I got here in the middle of the night. I didn't even get to see what Jackson was until the next morning when I woke up and I could walk around in the daylight. Um, So, yeah, I came out here just to, you know, goof off and go snowboarding. And um, I was, you know, kind of part of life where you're contemplating, like, am I going to go to grad school? Am I going to do this or that or whatever? And then just fell in love with this area. And I kept coming back every winter and then started traveling uh, around during the summers. And, um, yeah, ended up meeting my, uh, future wife, uh, in a faraway country. And we ended up coming back here to settle down. So, um, super lucky, very lucky. Where'd you meet your wife? Uh, I met my wife in Fiji.
0: Huh. Um, what were you doing? What were you two doing in Fiji? Well,
1: I was, I was snowboarding here for our winters. And then I was moving down to New Zealand and, uh, living in New Zealand for five, four to six months. Uh, for their winter and then I'd come back and have our winter and then go back and have their winter I would never do that again that's way too many winners to have back to back to back to back <laughs> but my first cycle of doing that we were it was like October and we were coming back to Jackson and um, I was like it's going to be off season when we get back so let's ha- let's let's have a month of summer and go to Fiji and picked an island just randomly we had no agenda and she happened to be on this. Deserted island, like pretty magical.
0: <laughs> and and Fiji's not just one island; it's like no, yeah, lot.
1: it's it's a lot of islands. Yeah, and um and that's why it was it was so random because literally we got off the plane. Uh, this woman came up to us and she's you know like what typically happens when you get into some of these countries, and she's like, hey, what are you guys doing? Where are you going? We're like, we don't know. She's like, you should go here, and we're like, okay, cool, that sounds cool, and we went. And I was there for, it was kind of funny. It was a small island and I, you know, I wear contacts. I ended up losing my eyeglasses in New Zealand. And after about the first two days, I was like, well, I've pretty much seen everything on the island. I don't need to wear my contacts every day Um, because I always had sand on my fingers. And so I took them out and I could see pretty good. But when I met my wife, I could not see her at all. Like she was completely blurry and I'm like squinting at her. And she probably thought I was the kind of weirdest person ever. So, needless to say, contacts went back in, and um so we met and uh it was it was kind of funny you know back then she she lived in California, and she's like, "Well, you know, do you want to you know keep seeing each other and hanging out and I'm like, "Yeah, for sure, but don't expect anything because it's snowboarding season, and if you want to see me, you gotta come out and This was before cell phones, like we had one phone in our house, like you know that we all used and you know, you got charged for long distance phone calls and stuff like that. It was,
0: it was kind of- Did you have some of those, um, special recordings for your answer machine? Like some of those Oh yeah, for sure.
1: (laughs) Absolutely. Well, what was funny is she came to visit me in February and I, you know, she's like, well, I should be there on, on this day about this time. It was in the afternoon and I'm like, okay, great. Of course wait till the last second, like I'm cleaning the house, vacuuming, whatever in my uh, boxer shorts. And um, it was like, you know, nine in the morning, she was supposed to be there around three or four in the afternoon. And she opens, I opened the door, and she's standing there. And I'm like, whoa. And she had called from a payphone and talked to one of my roommates and got directions. Because I'm like, how did you even know where I live? This is weird. So yeah, it's just kind of funny before cell phones, you know, you actually had to stop at a payphone, make a phone call. Mm-hmm.
0: And, yeah.
1: I mean, you know, And I'm just like, ah, that's funny. So, so yeah, I mean, I was super, super lucky to meet someone like, like her. She's an amazing woman. And you know, we have a 14 year old daughter and we've decided to stay in Jackson and we both love it. And you know, and when I say love this community, I love this community. Like I'll do anything for this community. I'm out picking up trash doing whatever I can to make things better. It's, it's so rad and it's such a nice community and the people are so amazing. And, you know, we have our problems, I get it. Like, you know, housing, all the things, traffic, I get it. And, but at the end of the day, it's like, you know, look where we get to live. You know, sometimes the days are like a struggle to, you know, get through work and get stuff done. But at the end, I think people are really appreciative of the job everybody does. You know in the community and and we're always here to help each other i mean random people that might not even know each other are you know will help you know so it's really really awesome
0: i support your your perspective i i agree with you on that one and we are very fortunate as a community to have somebody like you working for the town of jackson and how long have you been working for the town of jackson and how long have you been in the public works department
1: Ironically enough, this is going to sound weird. I've only had one job since I've lived here. That's working for the town. Um, when I Did first you ever wo-
0: work in all those winters that you came and went.
1: Oh, yeah, no, I, I worked. I, um, my first job when I came here, I, I worked for Start Bus
0: uh-huh. um,
1: and I would, you know, drive the bus at night and snowboard during the day. It was awesome. And, you know, we got, you know, a couple of tickets a week to go ski. I bought my I bought, I think, probably one of the first ever split boards uh, sold in the valley um, back then. Um, the only place that sold them was uh, Teton Mountaineering, and I got into, you know ride the backcountry. So we you know working for StartBus was really awesome because you just had the mornings and afternoons free generally, and I got to meet a ton of people. Like it was amazing. Like all the you know a lot of the friends I still have today, uh, my best friends in in the in the in the community who now have families and we all hang out are people I met on the bus. Totally random? Like, um, so I more work. reason
0: to ride the bus.
1: I know the bus is amazing. Um, let someone do the driving for you and talk and hang out. And it's really cool. And so I worked for Start Bus for, uh, for the winters uh, generally, um, some of the summers here and there. And then I kind of moved into, you know, supervising and management a little bit. And then um, right before my daughter was born, I kind of wanted to make a switch. And um, uh, at the time, you know, our current uh, town uh, manager, Larry Pardee, uh, he was our public works director, and he was amazing, like absolutely amazing. And like I didn't, never got a chance to really you know, at that time, when I worked for Starbucks, I didn't get a chance to work with him too much, but I did a little bit, and I got to see how he, how he worked and how he thought and what his attitudes were and just how he acted as a person. And I was like, I want to work for that guy. So moved over, um, started at the bottom, you know in public works in the streets department plowing and um, doing road maintenance projects, and then slowly kind of worked my way up into uh, the wastewater division, and then moved up through the wastewater division and then uh, now I'm at uh, uh, the position of assistant Public works director. so public works is an, a truly amazing department because we have so many different things going on you know we have wastewater and water and mechanics and fleet stuff and facilities and um streets and big plow trucks and big heavy equipment and and super dedicated people who love 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 this community so it's really fun to get to play with big tonka toys
0: Mm. yeah you guys have some big trucks there
1: oh yeah for sure yeah
0: and so public works in reviewing what that encompasses is is give us a, a rundown because that's pretty big.
1: It's pretty big. Right now we have in public works, uh right now is about thirty three people. Um we're about three people short. So we're we hover around that, you know, typically 34, 35 people. And um, you know, we have uh a lot of really unique departments and then some departments that work, you know, together a lot on a lot of things. So Um, obviously we do, we provide all of the potable water to the community, right? So, um, we have seven water wells, uh, in the community that we, you know, pull water from the sole source aquifer, uh, the snake river aquifer and provide water to businesses, residents, um, and the community. And then, you know, conversely, we take that water, um, we take it down to our treatment plant and we treat it, um, to the highest level, uh, that we can at our treatment plant using the you know, best technologies uh, that we can, um, always you know, improving and trying to innovate uh, at the treatment plant. And then we discharge that into the Snake River. We also have um, uh, uh, six mechanics um, that, we, that we utilize to serve the community. It's not just our equipment. We work on the county's equipment. We work on uh, you know, fire trucks, ambulances, um, sheriff's cars, all of our town vehicles. We also help out other organizations like the senior center. We work on their vehicles and the hospital, um, and learning center and some other, you know, every now and then we'll work on game and fish. And so our fleet guys stay pretty busy, uh, keeping up with everything. You know, they also work on all the start buses, uh, which is, you know, a pretty heavy lift, especially this time of year when we're rolling into uh, their winter season. We have a facilities department, and so our facilities department looks over like all of our uh, facilities, including town hall, public works. uh, uh, All of our rentals that we have for our employees and the ice rink, and they are super smart uh, people in that department who are really using technology to the highest level that they can to monitor buildings. So that's our fleet department. We have our streets department. Uh, which you 'll see them out this winter, you know they do a lot of the plowing, and then they also work on you know street sweeping in the spring, summer and fall, road projects, new sidewalks, replacing boardwalks, street signs, painting tons of painting around the community uh, that we do every single year, uh, and so they stay pretty busy as well and um, And then we have engineering right so we have an engineering department uh, which is made up of uh, four engineers, and they have been very, very busy, like they manage all of our capital projects, you know, and we have to put in a new sidewalk, repair a road, Put in a new sewer line or a water line, but they also have to deal with all of the private development as well. So when there's new homes being built or properties getting replatted or uh, agreements for sewer connection, and you know, as busy as the town of Jackson's been, that team has been putting in some serious hours. You know, week in and week out. You know, working nights, working weekends, like just trying to keep up uh, with the pace of the community right now. So um, that's a really strong team. And then we have an admin team, which is made up of uh, myself and our um, awesome public works director. Her name is Florin, and um, we have an administrative assistant as well. So good group of people. Um, A lot of people have been here for a while. And, you know, we are very we try to be very family oriented, you know, and I always tell everybody. I'm just like, look, we all have to work hard, but if you guys aren't smiling and having a good time, then we're failing because work has got to be fun. Serving the community has got to be fun. Yeah, we have our good days and bad days, but at the end of the day, you know, when you, when you got the right person to come work for you because they will do whatever it takes and they, they have a good time doing it. So we're really lucky.
0: You all, that's a lot of people and a lot of moving parts to keep this what we look at a a small community, a small town, but it's a busy town.
1: It is a busy town and a lot of this stuff happens kind of behind closed doors. Like no one really sees it other than, you know, they see traffic and they see a lot of people downtown, but like, you know, they don't see, you know, us having to process like, you know, 500 permits in a year, you know? Mm. Um, We also work really closely with other departments like planning and building. And the police uh, department, and uh, admin for the town, and the fire department. Um, you know, we all work together on um, on on projects, on all sorts of things. Even when there's an emergency, you know, we've had a lot of emergencies where the fire department calls us and they need help doing something, and you know, we'll run out there and help them and mm. help out the police department too. So. Um, Are are you guys
0: 20? Is there somebody on call 24 seven in the public works department? Oh, yeah. How many people do you guys have on call like during holidays and at nights and on weekends?
1: Right now, I mean, I'm pretty much on call year round every day just because of my position our managers uh for the uh you know water team and sewer team sewer divisions and all their team members they're always on call because all of our water systems uh that control all of our you know the our computer that controls all of our water systems on the potable side and then our computers that control all the process at the wastewater treatment plant and all of our lift stations in town they're all computer controlled so when there's a glitch or something doesn't line up or something it detects something's wrong, it calls and it starts at the top of the list and just starts calling people. doesn't matter what time of day, which day doesn't matter. so we can get a call. I've gotten calls at you know eleven o'clock at night I've gotten calls at three in the morning where I'm, you know I'm out at the treatment plant at three thirty in the morning trying to fix a problem or you know we're in town, a sewer line a water line breaks um, at five am, you know we get called we get up put on our boots and and go get it done so and then you know when we get into the weekends and stuff like that we always have people on call on the weekends we divvy that up throughout the whole year so we have somebody around you know dispatch knows who who's on uh on weekend duty so if there's a you know anything could go wrong like you know a stop sign gets hit or there's a water line break or you know, boardwalk gets smashed and we got to go fix the boardwalk. So we do have somebody, you know, on call on the weekends to kind of deal with those situations as well.
0: I, I have some questions to ask about some of the deep, dark secrets of the public works department. But um, first we need to take a quick break to get a word from our sponsor. And then we're going to be right back. Awesome. For residents looking to reduce their household waste and become better recyclers, look no further than the Recycling Coach app. Brought to you by Teton County Solid Waste and Recycling. You can access the Recycling Coach app from your desktop computer, mobile device, or through digital assistance. The platform is easy for you to get local disposal information for the thousands of household items and takes the guesswork out of recycling. Visit tetoncountywy.gov slash recycle for access. Become a better recycler today and download the Recycle Coach app for free. Teton County Solid Waste and Recycling estimates that approximately 3,954 tons of food waste are disposed in the trash right here in Teton County every year. This makes food waste the next frontier material in the quest to achieve our county's goal to reduce waste and recycle more which will help us aim for zero waste. For more information on Teton County Integrated Solid Waste and Recycling's Curb to Compost Commercial Food Waste Program, visit tetoncountywy.gov slash recycle and join today. Johnny, welcome back. Uh, thank you for giving us some insights to public works. And considering you Oversee in your department is the wastewater treatment plant. I'm very curious as to we get these notices in the mail about hey, scrape your grease off, or you know, be mindful of what goes down your drain. How much waste do you guys pull off of the water that's coming out from people's homes? Is this daily that you guys are pulling? waste off and what is this and like how much is it and what do you sure. do with it well you brought up a good point
1: you know notifications we put both in the newspaper i've actually uh made uh videos a little short 30 second videos to play in the movie theaters that kind of went on hold right when covid hit because all the theaters shut down but um we do videos on pharmaceuticals how to dispose of pharmaceuticals how to dispose of grease and fats and oils What not to flush down your toilet and we do ads in the newspaper, we do mailers, we do a lot of outreach because we want to, we want to educate people so they are protected in Greece, uh, we call it fog uh, fats, oils and grease that can really play havoc on your system at your house or your business. And this is what most people don't know. It's like, well, I could pour grease down the drain. I can put fatty foods down the drain. I could put food down the drain. No big deal because it's out of sight, out of mind. But what they don't know is that that grease, when you put it into your sink and you run water, uh, probably in about 15 feet or 20 feet, that water, that grease will start to cool off and it starts to clog your pipe. Kind of like a clogged artery right and so if your pipe's this big it starts to get about like smaller and smaller and smaller because the grease builds up on the inside of the pipe and then pretty soon all of a sudden your toilet doesn't flush right and your your water doesn't go anywhere and then in some cases people in a lot of cases people have flooded their house with sewage no um, because they can't it can't leave and so it's a preemptive measure that people can do to like protect their, you know, their uh, line leaving their house. Now, the line that's leaving your house and connecting into our main is, you know, we call it a lateral line or service line. It's your, It's the homeowner's responsibility or the, you know, the resident's responsibility. They, it's their pipe. So it's a way to prevent issues for them. And it's also a way for us to keep it out of our lines because, You know, and this has happened a lot and it happens in a lot of communities. Luckily for us, we have a very strong team, um, one of who you know, Sam, um, Mm -hmm. dedicated people, you know, that work in the sewer department, not a glamorous department by any means. But when that grease gets into our sewer lines, the same thing can happen. It can back up a sewer line. So what happens there is like a lot of the grease comes in, you know, from restaurants from uh, residential homes, and it can start to clog one of our mains. And so as other bits of trash and, you know, quote unquote, flushable wipes and all these other things gets caught in that grease, it kind of builds up. Um, and, you know, in the last few years, there's been, uh, you know, things in the news about, you know, a fatberg in, in London, right? This big giant, like three ton fall of fat and grease that they had to remove out of a sewer system. So we spend a lot of time maintaining that. Um, and so it doesn't really clog up our pipes because what happens is when we have a, a backup on our sewer line, you know, we mobilize as quickly as we can. Obviously it takes time. Obviously it takes more time when your employees don't live here, but that sewer line will overflow onto the onto the road and it'll flow into Flat Creek because Mm -hmm. it'll get it'll get into the storm system and we don't want that right obviously flat creek you know we want to keep flat creek pristine we also want to make flat creek even more pristine and and a higher water quality and so you know we want to maintain that now when all of that stuff gets to the treatment plant this is where the real you know magic happens we have a Uh, what's called a bar screen and so we have a giant pipe that comes down the treatment plant comes into what we call a preliminary treatment facility that uh, the big channel comes in it's super deep and it goes through um, this big bar screen where it screens out all of the heavy things probably bigger than a dime right so you know bits of food garbage um, organic material grease chunks occasionally i've seen Jeans. I've seen the sections of garden hose. I've seen cell phones, you know, deceased pets, um, needles, uh, all sorts of stuff. <laughs> and we screen all of that out along with, you know, whatever we can pick up uh, organic uh, material, fecal material and um, wipes and rags and stuff like that. And then we have to dewater that. And we actually have another process where we take that material and we squish it and squish all of the water out of it and then we're able to then you know put it into a dumpster and then we can take it to the landfill and i would say you know probably in the summer you know we're probably almost filling up uh, a dumpster and every every day and a half almost two days of all the material that because you know this all computer generated so it's going all day all night when the computer tells the bar screen to run. And it's interesting because what we see down there, you know, a lot, we see a lot of odds and ends that, you know, sometimes things get into a sewer pipe during construction when, when a contractor, when we have to go out and actually like, you know, do a sewer tap for them, right? And, and we plug the pipe and they're not so careful and maybe rocks get in it and stuff like that. But I, there's so much stuff that gets in our collection system and ultimately down at the treatment plant from people flushing it in the toilet. And literally there should be nothing, you know, that you flush in the toilet, unless it's toilet paper or something that comes out of your body, right? Because if you think about it, you know, stuff starts to break down in the sewer uh, lines, anything that, you know, gets by our bar screen obviously can get out into the treatment uh, ponds. And, you know, we see a lot of things that like, just cause headaches and issues and the biggest one is flushable wipes. You go to the store, right? You buy it, the container it says flushable wipes on it, right? But you can also flush your your cell phone almost. Oh, <laughs> there's a lot there's a lot of things you can flush that doesn't say flushable on it. But the thing about flushable wipes is they're not designed to be in a sewer system because they don't break down. Toilet paper breaks down, right? And so, you know, we get a lot of this material down there, and then after it goes through the bar screen, we have these giant wet wells that we have to clean out twice a year um, in the spring and fall. And that's probably one of the gnarliest jobs I've ever done. And it's super messy you you're in in it, mm. and you're cleaning it and you're washing down grease chunks and you're vacuuming out stuff. and um, really cleaning up, uh, the treatment, uh, facility, you know, the preliminary treatment facility, uh, before it goes out into the treatment ponds. So, yeah, I mean, we get, you know, we get some interesting things down there. I think this year, uh, the, the cool, uh, interesting thing was a soccer ball. Don't know how, how in that
0: in the world did you guys get a soccer ball?
1: Yeah, I know. I know. I've seen small sections of two by fours. Um, so that had
0: to have gone through somebody's sink no i think like a soccer
1: ball probably somebody a kid maybe lifted up a sewer a manhole or something oh and and maybe threw it in there because like i don't know how else it could have got in there
0: so a storm drain if it went down the storm drain it wouldn't end up there
1: yep you know so a lot of communities uh, especially older communities back out east on the east coast they they have what's called a combined system right Uh where the storm system like that what i say mean by storm system is when it rains you know, all the water goes to the edge of the road, goes into the storm inlets, that system and the sewer system are one system, right? That's why they call them combined. The problem with that, especially now that, you know, we're seeing heavier storms, bigger storms, longer storms, more intense storms, they can overwhelm uh, a treatment facility, right? If, If the sewer and the storm are combined, those pipes can't take all that water at that one time. And so they all overflow. We, on the other hand, we don't have that. We, they're separate, and we have a separate a storm system and a separate sewer system. Okay. Um, so we don't really have that with, uh, any you know, issues when it comes to that. That's a dirty mess right there. It is yeah. really interesting because, you know, it's just like, and I tr- we try our hardest to educate as much as we can. I mean, even dental floss, like dental floss gets caught on our brushes that cleans the bar screen. And every day we've got to clean the bar screen. You know, when I was down there, every day, your hands are in it and you're, you know, cleaning everything off, making sure it's going to work correctly. Um, and a lot of this stuff can be alleviated just by not flushing it like your toilet is not a trash can. And it's just easy for people to 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 flush stuff down the toilet. Um, I mean, this year we had some we had the weirdest thing happen this year that was horrific. We got about 50 gallons of uh, motor oil, like that came down in the treatment plant. Like that will kill a treatment plant and somebody dumped it into the system and we could, you know, you, you can't find out, you can't find who did it. It's because as it moves through the pipe, it it just kind of moves down in a slug, right? It all floats and comes right through and we had to clean that up. It took us days to clean that up and mitigate that problem.
0: How did you know um, how many gallons of motor oil that was? We
1: estimated it just okay. by by volume um, mm. in our wet wells.
0: Mm, um, man, I'm sorry to hear that.
1: Yeah. And you know, a lot of people you have to think about, you know, wastewater systems are they're a living organism, right? Mm-hmm. All wastewater treatment facilities are a living organism. They're literally taking the 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 bacteria that's coming out of our intestines, right? And we're using that bacteria and other bacteria and populating that bacteria to make the bacteria work for us to do the things we want it to do to affect the wastewater quality, right? And when chemicals get into the wastewater system, it can be really bad for some systems, especially some smaller systems, you know, like, you know, the Aspen's has a treatment plant, right? It's a small, really high-tech treatment system. It's all indoors. Uh, somebody drained their pool a couple like a month ago, right? All that water went in, <laughs> and caused a lot of. Head- and that was just water; it didn't even have uh, chlorine in it because it was a new pool and they were just testing it out. So it, it, there's always an effect. Like if something happens, there's always an effect on the on the downstream side where it ends up, right? If you're mm-hmm. putting, you know, motor oil or whatever paint. All this stuff like all this stuff you know you can dispose of uh, in, in a safe manner at our recycling Center and just know that everything goes into our wastewater it doesn't all come out, you know we can't like necessarily treat for pharmaceuticals and those are really hard chemicals to take out and there are some forever chemicals that end up in our wastewater system that you know just doesn't come out and then all that just kind of passes through Mm -hmm. into our 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 river but one of the cool projects that that we're working on right now in terms of our wastewater treatment facility you know we currently have down in our wastewater treatment plant Um, which borders game and fish property. Uh, We about 20-25 years ago we built some wetlands out there on the game and fish property and so our treated water goes through that and we're working on a project right now uh, with Ducks Unlimited game and fish and they're going to expand that waste uh, that wetland like massive massive uh, wetland systems are going to go in uh, that are going to be good for bird habitat migratory bird habitat and riparian habitat Um, but it's also going to be a good thing for our wastewater treatment facility and really like polishing up our water in a natural wetland, right? That's what wetlands do, right? They filter stuff out, they polish water, they use up nutrients and stuff like that. So we're really excited about that project, which Mm. is hopefully going to start, um, this year.
0: Another area of your management that you guys at the public works department oversee is about keeping, you talked about this earlier, you guys have all the big trucks, you got to play oh, yeah. with the Donka trucks. What does it take to keep our roads clear in the wintertime? Like how many tons of material do you guys spread around the town and and like cleaning that up in the springtime? What can you reuse it? And then what's that all, and what time in the morning do you all start? Yeah. Especially to to make sure that we can move around because we don't close. Yep.
1: Yeah. Yep, exactly. No, we don't close, and you know we start around two thirty in the morning. Uh, this this winter is going to be really interesting because we, you know, we're not uh, unlike anybody else. We we're short plow drivers. In fact, I'm going to be driving a plow truck a uh, couple nights a week, and you know it's going to affect our level of service. But we typically come in around two thirty and we stay until around you know 11 uh, 1130 and it takes around you know nine employees um to to plow as much as we do nine ten employees and um yeah we you know when it starts snowing we're you know we're obviously we got all of our equipment out we're plowing we're getting the snow off the road and then we're sanding the intersections right so every storm cycle we're plowing getting the snow to the edges sanding the intersections and making things as safe as possible and we'll keep the sanders rolling um throughout the shift and even in the in the afternoons and sometimes in the evenings we get call outs on the highway you know from basically from smiths all the way to north cash past dairy queen we have to plow and maintain that um, pretty much from uh 2 in the morning until about eight o'clock at night um so uh, that's a big lift. Obviously, it's a, it gets a lot of traffic, right? That's the busiest road in town, and so we have to do a lot of extra work on that road to keep it safe and free from snow buildup. But you know, when we after we plow the snow to the edges of the road, and after we plow a few times, you know, the 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 snow banks get big and they get bigger, right? And so then when it doesn't snow, we have to come in and we we always start in the downtown after every snowstorm, right? Start town square, work our way out and we start pulling all the snow off um, into the middle of the street, which is, you know, uh, takes a lot of heavy equipment, a lot of big graders. We have a giant blower um, that we use to blow the snow into dump trucks. And then we haul the that snow down to the rodeo grounds um, and everyone's I'm sure it's over the years has seen uh the mound of snow that we can get depending on the year it could be massive and so you know we have to touch the snow when we when we plow it when we have to touch the snow again when we haul it then we have to touch the snow again in the spring when we have to spread that pile out and let it melt so a lot of touching of the snow you know when you when you think about it and it really helps us uh, especially in the middle of the night when there's nobody parked on the streets right that's why we have this parking ordinance and we keep people off the street um, from 3 a.m. 7 a.m. Um, so we can do this sort of stuff, and we can cut the roads down. Uh, we can we were I've seen us cut down roads and remove blocks of ice from the edge of the road where the curb is. And uh, once we keep the roads, you know, really clean, and we can keep the snow removed, once it does start to warm up in you know end of February into March, then the roads can melt out a lot quicker. Um, so, yeah, there's a lot that goes into it. We employ about four graders uh to do a lot of our plowing, and then we supplement that with also another three or four plow trucks
0: uh that are all running around at the same time. I go to work out in the morning about five and there's many, many times where my way that I'm going I can't make a turn because that equipment's in the road, which is fine it's that's, yeah that's, that's not a complaint or it's you'll just, you'll see I the be.
1: The windrow in the middle of the road, and you know. Oh yeah, I've seen I've seen the windrow, you know, four feet tall, and somebody in a little car. It's like, ah, I'm just gonna drive through it, and then they <laughs> they get they hit it, and then they teeter on top, <laughs> and they can't move. So it's it's kind of rough for them, but um, you know, some snow years a couple of years ago, God, we had so much snow that that one year I think it was around you know seventeen eighteen we hauled a lot a lot a lot of snow um and in terms of the sand i mean we'll put out you know 100 ton 120 ton of sand depending on the year and so you know the big thing about sand is our sand that we use is basically a mixture of of uh, granular sand it's like it's a it's not like a fine sand but it's a it's thicker uh, chunkier and then we mix that with about five percent salt right? We don't like using a lot of salt because, you know, in a lot of other communities, salt, they put straight salt down on the road and especially in the in the East Coast. And that has, you know, can definitely have an issue on your car and stuff like that with rust. But we only use about 5%, which helps, you know, we we spread the sand out at an intersection. The sand acts as traction and the salt begins to kind of like melt the, the ice a little bit and let it sink in. But like you said, you know, when we get to, the end of a, a winter right depending on the on on the season, sometimes we can start sweeping in march uh, end of March uh, we you know instantly want to get our street sweepers out as quickly as possible to pick up the sand uh, before it gets into our storm storm system now on our storm system, we do have a lot of uh what's called storm treatment units and these are units that we've been putting in for the last twenty years. Uh, on the storm system that actually collect trash and sand and hydrocarbons uh, before it gets into uh, uh, Flat Creek but we don't have is we don't have them everywhere so we're really really uh, on top of it when it comes to picking up all that sand right and by that point there's trash there's sand there's you know all sorts of stuff in there Um, and so uh we you know will sweep for a solid month month and a half um uh, and then you know basically our our plow team right now you know it's made up of some sewer division folks some water division folks and then the streets division and then after april you know, the the teams that work kind of half the year in one division, half the year in the other, they go back into their other divisions. And then we're just left with the bare minimum for the streets department. So we try and get all that sweeping done, you know, around by the middle of end of April, uh, and then we continue to sweep and we, I'd say we pull off, uh, God, I don't even know, like probably 80%, roughly 70% of what we put out. It's a lot of sand that we pull off. Um, mm. So it's a constant putting it down, picking it up, putting it down, picking it up. But you know, we got to just make sure that we're making you know the intersections as safe as possible, uh, both for you know our general users, and visitors, but also you know you have to think about you know uh, police cars, uh, fire trucks, right? You know they're sometimes moving at a high rate of speed, <laughs> even in the winter time, uh, to get to an emergency. So we got to make sure that we're providing that level of of service for them as well.
0: So how many tons of sand do you think you guys put out on an average year?
1: I'd say it's 100 to 125 tons.
0: No way.
1: It's a lot. I mean it depends on the year too cuz some sure. years it you know it like obviously this year is a good example. You know we haven't got really a lot of anything snow right and now. it's been pretty dry <laughs> so we haven't had to put a lot of sand out but it can vary for sure but we we put you know I'd say at once we're in the thick of winter we're, we'll we'll probably put out uh three or, or six to nine truck loads a day mm-hmm. uh in a like you think of a big dump truck right you know so six to ten yards and in, in, in a dump truck and and putting it out we have a lot of hills right so you know we take extra special precaution of the hills budge drive snoking estates rodeo drive you know hills and winter they don't like each other <laughs> so um We want to make sure that those are extra, extra, you know, safe and, and very well sanded. So we just ask people, you know, this is the thing we got to do every year just to remind people like, you know, it's winter, like Mm -hmm. take your time, you know, just take a few extra minutes, uh, to get where you're going, or maybe, you know, take the bus or walk, you know, like the roads, you know, just because we're out plowing and we're sanding doesn't mean. The roads are are not icy right or slick because it changes every hour the the road changes and and the temperature changes and you know um and we're out as much as possible but we're not out all the time and so people just i think they get this false sense of security like oh well they you know the public works department's outstanding stuff and i can just drive like it's the middle of july um and it's not that case so you just have to take the extra time be safe we want everybody to get where they're going, to come home safe and, you know, have a good day. So. Well,
0: I, I appreciate what you all do to keep our community safe and ensure that we can all still drive around. And you you talk to people who live in areas that are not, um, then have the the weather that we do. And they're like, well, when do you guys, do your roads close? And we're like, uh-uh, it doesn't close. It's It's rare that the roads would close around here. Really, I don't think I've ever been. I, I, unless it's like an avalanche concern, yeah. I don't think the roads really do close.
1: Well, back when I first moved here, you know, the pass uh, would close a lot with a lot more regularity than it does mm-hmm. now. You know, when you look at the canyon, you look at you look at uh, the pass uh, going over to Victor. Like those are lifelines for employees. I mean, our workforce is coming from Jackson, but it's also obviously coming from Idaho. It's coming from south of Jackson. And those roads are vital, right? Uh, to keeping a clean, uh, keeping the snow off. And it's a lot of work. I mean, Teton Pass, as we all know, I mean, it gets snow up, you know, it can get snow through June, right? Mm-hmm. It's a lot of, a lot of work. And I know, you know, what we're experiencing with a shortage of plow drivers right now is not, you know, other people are not immune. You know, Bozeman is short plow drivers. In fact, they're saying that, you know, expect lower levels of service, expect snow on the road. Um, y DOT up in, I, I don't even know where they're at now, but they were like short five or six drivers. Mm-hmm. Like, so this is important because when, and this is just in my opinion, you know, obviously the, our, our town is experiencing shortages of employees. A lot of communities are, right, for different reasons. Um, but when it starts to affect uh, public works, that becomes a problem, in my opinion, because you know we're providing water to everyone's homes, right? What happens if we don't have enough water operators? What if we don't have enough sewer operators, right? What if we don't have enough plow drivers? Like, and we're going to have to pick and choose what roads get plowed initially. You know, that's what I'm always thinking about in the back of my head. Is like, what's the worst case scenario, and how do we? keep in front of it how do we keep from that from happening it's like a chess game you got to be about five or six moves ahead and thinking about like what sort of things can we do to make sure that this doesn't happen and using you know thinking outside the box on like both at looking at our equipment you know we we have we've gotten bigger dump trucks we can haul more snow with one driver you know we've we've gone to like plowing the town mostly with graders because the greater has a lot more uh, distance when it when it plows. So we look at these things to like really leverage our equipment as much as we can and in our water and sewer systems, really leveraging our technology, our computer systems, but it's it takes skill, right? This is not easy stuff. Like you gotta know, uh, you know, especially in water and sewer, we, we all have to be licensed uh, through the State Department of uh, uh, Environment, and quality. Um, so we all have to get licenses, you have to take tests, but then you have to work in the field for a long time and like learn how to like do these things and provide this service and like constant over overturn of employees. It's just really hard. We're like always in a training, you know, we're always training it seems like. So, and I know a, a lot of people are having that, you know, issue as well, but like, when I think of our community, you know, like the core services, fire, EMS, public works. Those are the things that can't fail, right? What happens when you don't have a fire department? What happens when you're, you know, 60% of your police department is gone. What happens when your plows are a third of them, you know, can go out because you only have drivers for that. It's like people are going to really feel those impacts and that's what we don't want. We don't want to see that.
0: No, not at all. Wow. You guys are the, you know, part of the town that keeps the town running. Um, And it's, you know, in some ways people see what you're doing but in in many other ways people don't see it at all and and I appreciate it thank you for sharing Yeah no day. like
1: I said I mean it's it's an honor for you know when I think about myself like serving people like that is the one of the greatest callings I think in life is just serving somebody else trying to make somebody else happy you know being there for somebody else um making your com- community better Like I tell all all of our our teams, I'm like, look, when you guys are out downtown driving around, like think of Jackson as your front yard and your backyard. See trash, pick it up. See somebody who needs help, help them. Like that's what makes great communities great is people who are passionate about level of service, about serving the public. And it's not just us, you know, like I I look at the police department, I mean, the police department, they're working like 7 p.m. to 7 a.m., you know, like, every day they have people just cranking all night long answering calls you know doing these investigations and i'm just and it's it's hard you know like a lot of that is really hard because then you know we're all human we all have families and we all have to go home and try and you know engage and be you know productive at home so it, it's a big dedication and uh like i said the men and women that that serve in those roles that are really passionate about it and love it they make such a difference. It's really mm-hmm. awesome.
0: Indeed. Well, thank you to you, Johnny, and thank you to all of the people that you get to work with and that you lead in for the town of Jackson and, and the rest of the staff and thank you for speaking on their behalf. And I look forward to having some other people from the town of Jackson on the podcast to hear their story and their commitment to our, our beautiful community. Cause you're right. This That is it is what makes a community and 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 it's the the individuals that the work that they do that makes the, our community so special and if people wanted to reach out and connect with you how how could they do that
1: um they can go um on the town's website um mm-hmm. uh which i think is jacksonwy.gov and um they can get my email address from uh uh the public works section fabulous. Um, yeah and you know generally people have my cell phone, and they can people can call people can email me, people can stop by. I tell people all the time I'm like, if you need something, just give me a call. you know we're really excited to help so yeah, I mean one of the other things I didn't really hit on too much is which is something that's gonna be kinda happening here soon um is uh flat creek uh flooding and freezing mm. so um i- I serve on one of the board that oversees that. And, um, that's another area that, um, we try and educate people on. Um, it's a whole different, we can do a whole podcast just on, on, uh, frazzle ice and anchor ice formations in, in flat Creek and how it, how it freezes. But, uh, a lot of people, especially a lot of new people who use the, the pathways system. They get a little freaked out when they see it flooding. Um, and they don't understand how it freezes. So that's something else that we'll be, we'll be kind of working on as well
0: yeah we'll have to do that because it is very I've learned more over the years of being here in town about what causes Flat Creek to freeze the way it does, and it's really fascinating of yeah, yeah,
1: it's and it's so cool,
0: yeah, it is yeah I'm gonna let you get back to the whirlwind of running this town and being a key contributor to it and Thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate it and it's fascinating of what you do to keep our community going and everybody that is in the public works department just like old Sam and everybody else that works there. I'd say his name just cuz that's who I know.
1: Yeah. No, yeah. thank you. Thanks for um having having me on and and talking about what we do. Um I think it's it's I love talking about it. I love educating people about what we do so they kind of know and it's not a mystery so thank you uh for your time and for reaching out
0: you got it johnny take care Enjoy. awesome Enjoy. have a good day. day okay bye-bye to learn more about johnny and the town of jackson and all of its wonderful employees visit com. episode number 170. Thank you everybody who helps keep this podcast going each week. My wife, Laura, my boys, Lewis and William, and my editor and marketing director, Michael Morey. As we are approaching a new year, do something for yourself. Set some goals, not resolutions. Find some books to read that will bring enjoyment and fulfillment to your life. We can all learn from something out there, so get out there and find out what you want to read. My recommendation, if you have never read it before, is Tuesdays with Maury. It will certainly bring some tears to your eyes. I sure hope you've enjoyed this episode, and I look forward to seeing you back for the next episode of The Jackson Hole Connection.